You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a two-possession game right now. Get a good shot to the basket. I'm trying to shoot threes. And they're going to follow Baji, and that should do it. Yeah. All the dirty work, and your team feeds off of him. Great comeback win for Kansas. I give a lot of credit to UTEP. They left it on the line out here, and Bryson Williams was phenomenal for them. If they can feed off of this going into Conference USA tournament, they're going to be a four. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Joe O and Chris Ranji here on BetQL Daily. Show airs weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on the BetQL Audio Network. You can listen to us live on the radio.com app. Watch us live over on YouTube on the radio.com sports page. We're on Twitter at BetQL Daily, at BetQL Daily. A lot of college hoops information coming your way over the remainder of the show. We want to bring in Eli Hershkovich, the EP of the show. He co-hosts the BetQL. QLU podcast and Raji, uh, man, there's a lot that Eli wants to get into. We might have to do a couple of segments or a segment and a half with him because he uh, he typed out 10 different games that he wants to hit. <laughs> I know he's got a, a futures bet that he just added and there, there are still some of these uh, conference tournaments going on. We're waiting for the big ones next week, but like your old conference, the the, the Valley right now, yeah. you guys are already underway. What's up, Eli? Is he there? Do we have Eli? Oh, we do this oh. again. Oh, come on, yesterday. Eli. All right. I'm going to blame oh, there Jake there. I'm going to blame <laughs> Two days Jake. in a row, Jake. Two yeah. days. He's good. He's got the Utah Kansas <laughs> highlight. I'm going to start off by reading a, a text from Chris last night. Okay. I bet you're a huge UFC weirdo going to bars <laughs> and watching guys get their heads split open and yell at the TV every time <laughs> it happens. Absolutely not. UFC is not my sport, but I do do that with college basketball from time to time. Eli has not left his house in a year. Is that accurate? That's inaccurate. Of course I've left my house in a year. I would say- To move, yes, and to go to work, but outside of that, no, right? Uh, no, that's incorrect. We gotta gotta have some fun here and there during a pandemic, but for the most part, All right, hold on, hold on. May I, Joe, please? Yes, Um, go ahead. What does Eli fun consist of? That's a good question. Going by a lake, drinking some beer. Okay. Okay. I might, get, All right. I might get. I might get. I might get myself into trouble with this one. I so, thought. Uh, I thought for sure Eli was going to say like going to a park, watching people. <laughs> you know, I, bird, feeding the pigeons. <laughs> feeding the. That's disturbing. <laughs> so while he's making bets on his phone, I'm. I'm glad it's a totally normal thing that you do, Eli. It's really sweet. I, I was speaking with our friend, everyone's friend, America's friend, editor of 670thescore.com, Cody Westerlin. Hey, Cody. And he said that uh, 
said Eli asked him to watch, go out and watch college basketball from time to time. I'm like, oh, that sounds about right. Eli wants to hang out. Um, and Cody's like, yeah, sure. Which bar do you want to meet up at? And Eli said, oh, I was thinking about coming over to your house, well, not, hanging I'm out with you, hanging out with your fiance. I'm not going to a bar during a pandemic. No, there are some people that do do that. I'm not shaming anybody, but I've, I've been out to restaurants. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty careful about it at yeah. the moment. I I've done it, and I always feel bad after I've done it. And and every place I've gone to is trying their best to, you know, be safe and have the distancing. But I just uh, I feel. I, I don't you. know. I, it just, it's probably not the best idea in the world, but you also feel bad for the restaurants and that's a whole new thing. But, but when, you, when you hit somebody up about, Hey, let's go watch some college hoops. Yeah. You're usually not thinking, look, come you're over fighting your because you, over. <laughs> what you say in that moment is, Hey, you want to come over and watch some basketball? You don't say, yes. do you want to go watch some? If you say oh, you want to go watch some basketball, the implication is you're going to a bar. Which I should be there. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely don't think it's that odd, but you know what? People have their thoughts, and you guys have your thoughts, and that's okay. Eli, we you don't understand how much we love you. It's really sweet. I don't love you, so what the? Oh, it, yes, you do, you liar. Maybe, maybe you're, right. maybe you're right. Uh, Eli, before we get to all ten games, and I believe they're all Saturday games that you want to break down. Let's talk about futures. Let's do a recap of uh, the title futures that you have bets on. And I hear there's an addition. Yes. So first up, the lowest bet I have in terms of the the lowest price I have on the odds board is West Virginia. Got a piece at 20, got a piece at 30, and got a piece at 40. So it's about. Wow. You love them. Yeah, I like West Virginia. But again, I was kind of waiting to see when they would dip back. So I added a little more. Added a little more when it went back to 40. I mean, they proved a lot against Baylor on Monday going to overtime. They should have won that game in regulation. They just have shot makers. Uh, They have guys that could play in isolation with Miles McBride, uh, Sean McNeil, and Taz Sherman, which is what you need in the tournament uh, tournament against a defense like that that's going to shut you down and not let you run your offense. Defensively, they kind of struggled down the stretch in that game. But, I mean, they've given Baylor and Gonzaga – probably their two toughest tests of the year, which says a lot against the two best teams in college basketball. Uh, The game here on the slate that I am most interested in, and I can imagine uh, a lot of people in the Midwest are feeling the exact same way is Eli. you didn't even get to your, your pick. That's on Chris. I was thinking. Oh, Oh, I I am so sorry. Did I, did I I screw up? No, he did. It's he took a pause. It sounded like he was done. I thought you were done. Yeah. I was taking a, a little breath. A little pause. I mean, that was a long pause, Eli. It was like five <laughs> seconds. I apologize. All right, moving along here. All right, go, ahead, go ahead. give your pick. Thanks, man. Thanks. So, second West Virginia. Up, yeah, second. West Virginia. Second up, Texas. I added them yesterday at forty to one. They they played really well here over the last three or four games. They've won their they've won three of their last four games. They have the length to give teams a lot of problems in the tournament with Jericho Sims, their freshman. Greg Brown is playing really well defensively down the stretch. And I was kind of curious because when I was thinking about buying in on them before the season, they were at 50 to one. So I wanted that price first off to come back to around the same number before I got back in on Texas. But that's, that was kind of a concern for me, a freshman and a five-star freshman that was known for his offense, but was he going to commit defensively? And he proved it yesterday against a Oklahoma team that was trying to get to the basket at some huge plays down the stretch. And they have all their, like, it's a, this is a senior laden roster with really good guards that could score with Matt Coleman 
and Courtney Ramey. The other thing is in terms of the betting market, they had a, I mean, similar to a lot of teams, they had like a two or three week, maybe a week and a half COVID layoff. They got back at it. They lost three in a row to Oklahoma, Baylor. So it's tough to knock a team that, you know, is still, was still coming together at that point. Still a freshman that means a lot to this team in terms of their uh, prospects in March that was still trying to figure things out. And they had a, a week and a half layoff and similar to a lot of other teams, they couldn't get right in non-conference play. So I'm, I'm really bullish on Texas because of what they could do with their athleticism, what they can provide against a team like Gonzaga. A lot of brackets have Texas as the four seed in Gonzaga's region. And if you're going to play, if Texas matches up against one, one seed in the tournament, I would probably want it to be Gonzaga. And I know that might seem like a shock, but Gonzaga does not have the athleticism to go up against Texas. Now they could speed you up. And if Texas isn't scoring in the half court, that's the issue. But that athleticism against Gonzaga would provide a lot of issues. That's like a kind of the four versus one upset that I would love to, uh, to get. Can I ask you about Illinois, Ohio state now? Or are you going to get mad at me? I'm going to get mad at you. So I have three <laughs> more just to hit on really quick. Uh, down what? the board, Alabama, 90 to one Rutgers, 90 to one. They're not going to do anything. And then, I might win a game, but, uh, and then Boise at like 300, 500 or one, whatever it was. I mean, he did take another long pause. That was like, that was like a second. And Dude, then Chris was like, second. I'm, Wait, so I'm you ready to jump again? on <laughs> Hold on. Were you not finished again? I was, I was about to give my other three. I was just about to are say, taking, and these are my other three. Hold on a second. Are you taking a bite of a sandwich in between these? What are you doing? <laughs> Does it sound like I'm taking a bite <laughs> of a sandwich? I mean, it's like, it's like three seconds, and I'm like, okay, Eli's finished with his, his no, thought. the first time was three and it seconds. Seemed, it, it sounded complete. You sounded like you had completed your thought. Yeah, I completed my thought on Texas. And then, Chris, I thought the logical follow-up would be, what are your other futures bets? But you're like, up oh, Illinois, oh Ohio God. State. We only have you for so long, man. I want to talk about the Illini and Ohio State, damn it. Well, we could talk about them now. No, finish what you were going to say, and then we'll, we'll get to. I'm done. He said I'm it. Done. He said it. <laughs> I said it. I said All right. it. All right. So. All right. Yeah, the projected line for this game, Chris, is Illinois by one. No, it's not okay. six and a half. It's what? One. It's uh Illinois. What? Yeah, it's uh Illinois favored by a point. Well, we don't know if I would assume it was wow. going to play for the Illini. Uh, Ohio State coming off three straight losses. Their last game against Iowa over the weekend did not play well defensively. That's their the biggest defensive issue is perimeter defense. And it, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna show up against Iowa defensively if you can't guard the perimeter. So especially against an Iowa team that's starting to click defensively. If Io doesn't play, I think this is a pretty good bounce back spot for Ohio state. They played well against Illinois the first time around. Granted, that was an Illinois team that hadn't come together to this point. This is an Illini team. That's one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. They're going to be a one seed at this point, unless they have a hiccup, maybe against Ohio state and lose early in the big 10 tournament, which isn't going to happen. If Ohio state could contend on the glass with Illinois, and speed Illinois up a little bit, then I think Ohio State, similar to the first time these two teams played, this is one of those spots where if Illinois coming off their biggest win of the season and Ohio State needing to prove something, even though they're still on the two line, I just like the spot play. Um, I would be on Ohio State at around a pick or anything better if Iowa doesn't play. It's going to be fascinating, Eli, because you would assume that the public, no matter what the number is, is going to be all over the Illini. Yeah. And going into the last game, the big news was well, Iowa in. Is Iowa in? I can't make my play until I, I know if Iowa is going to be out there, the possible Naismith Award winner. But going into this game, 
after seeing what happened against Michigan, I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't care if he plays or not. They're, they're going to back the Illini no matter what. Right, and it probably gets driven up. So maybe Illinois closes around minus two, minus three. This is, as much as I harp on how poor Ohio State is playing defensively, this is just one of those spots where if your best player isn't playing for Illinois, yes, they played super well defensively, but similar to to Michigan, Illinois might just have one of those letdown performances. I mean, they were they were on. They were zoned in for that Michigan game. Michigan couldn't get anything going in the half court. Kofi Coburn matched up so, so well against Dickinson. I just, I, I love the spot here for the Buckeyes where I'd be willing to take the points, which is where it'll likely close at. Eli, you have time to stick around, right? So we can oh. go over these other nine games. Yeah, Chris, see, we have, we have a little time here, which means I could take a nice pregnant see, pause. I, I didn't know. I'm so sorry to step all over you, Eli. You should be. All four times. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Eli's going to stick around. We're going to go over all these uh, big Saturday games that he is all jacked about before we get to the conference tournaments and the big conferences next week. Points Bet, the exclusive sports betting partner, the Denver Nuggets, is out doing the competition in Colorado. They are now live with minus 105 spreads on all NBA games. That's the best price of any sports book. Why bet anywhere else? This is BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Chris Ranji. And you're locked into the BetQL Audio Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. BetQLandRadio.com have partnered up to help you beat the sports books. Use our promo code daily for 20% off any subscription. BetQL tells you which side professional bettors are picking and provides real-time line movement and historical betting results. Promo code daily for 20% off any subscription. Continuing the college basketball conversation and all of the games that Eli loves on Saturday with Eli Hershkovich. He co-hosts the BetQLU podcast. And Eli, uh, before we get to some of these other games, uh, quickly promo your show on Saturday and where the people can find it. Yeah, Twitter and Facebook. You can follow uh, BetQL on Twitter at BetQL app. Myself and Thomas Casali from 10 to 11 Central, uh, 11 to noon Eastern, I guess, 9 to 10 Mountain Time. We'll keep going down on the Pacific time zone is 8 to 9. So, wow, we hit them all. Touch them all. Uh, Not baseball, (laughs) but college basketball. Uh, Is it YouTube too or no? Uh, yeah, YouTube, I guess you could, you know, you, you could guess. check it on YouTube, but yeah, you, you don't know, want to. Doesn't, you don't sound convinced. I mean, I, don't I, really. I just check it on Twitter at Beck UL app <laughs> on Twitter. It's easy to find that way. Gosh, it's unbelievable. Just so mean to poor Eli. <laughs> uh, Eli, let's, uh, let's close out the big 10. So we talked about Illinois, Ohio state. What are your thoughts on Indiana against 23rd ranked Purdue to close the regular season? Yeah, I can't trust Indiana, even though this might be a good spot. They're getting around, probably going to get around five or six. You know, if, if this line is sitting around six, I might have to plug my nose and and take Indiana. Armand Franklin status is going to be big. They missed him last week against Michigan, but we saw it against Michigan State. And kind of, I mean, these two teams, Purdue and Michigan State, kind of similar. Purdue's a little bit more explosive offensively, but they both have pretty good defenses, at least down the stretch here. And I, I don't trust Indiana enough. 
Rob Finnessy clearly Indiana's point guard isn't healthy. Christian Lander, their freshman is so inconsistent. So just to get into your offensive sets, Trace Jackson Davis is going to have a tough time getting his against this Purdue front court. Uh, Zach Eady is playing really well. Uh, had a big game against Wisconsin earlier in the week. Travion Williams, when he's going, when he's not in foul trouble, Purdue's front court is absolutely lethal. So maybe I'll plug my nose and take the five or six points with Indiana. Uh, but I mean, it was a great spot last week. I know it's Michigan, but man, their offense just sputter after the first five or so minutes of that game, maybe the first part of the first half. So two possessions might be worth a value play on the Hoosiers, but probably a stay away. You also wanted to hit on Michigan and Michigan State. Where are you on that one? Yeah, so just, I guess, closing out with the Big Ten there. That game's on on Sunday. Uh, those two teams played last night. Michigan blew them out. Michigan clinched the Big Ten title. Maybe it's a sleepy spot for Michigan, and maybe the line is a little overinflated with Michigan State trying to fight to get into the NCAA tournament. Last night, the line closed at around 11. I could see this thing closing around maybe 12, 12 and a half. So maybe you get a little bit of value with Michigan State. And the Big Ten wants Izzo and the Spartans in the in the dance so bad. So it, it it might be, again, one of those plug your nose spots. But I would say less so than Indiana just because I can't trust this Michigan State offense, even in a potential letdown spot for Michigan. They just can't get to the rim. I mean, these guards can't shoot and they can't get to the basket against a kind of like a gap-heavy defense kind of like a no middle defense, like Texas tech runs. Michigan is very gap uh, oriented where they're going to try to close every single lane to get to the basket and Michigan state's guards. When, when they can't shoot, uh, it's a pretty gross offense to watch. So uh, you might get maybe some value with around four possessions with Michigan state in a must win game, or at least a game that you got to keep competitive just for your psyche going into the big 10 tournament. But I, I probably got to stay away on Sunday. So tell us why you're going to take the Badgers over your most hated head coach in all of America, Fran McCaffrey, and his Hawkeyes. Yeah, it's a great observation by you. You're a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, it really is, Joe. You know, I, I want to, but I mean, we talk about bad offenses, Indiana, Michigan State, Wisconsin's lost for their last five games, and their one win was against Northwestern. I mean, sh from a shooting perspective, they're shooting t in the top 100 and three-point percentage overall this season but they're bottom three in the conference in terms of conference play in three-point field goal percentage. They have fallen off a cliff. I mean, you want to talk about like a live-or-die three-point shooting team that when they got hot last year and they won like nine or ten straight games in what would have been the Big Ten tournament after that, they looked like a team that was going to go on a run and potentially make a Final Four, and maybe who knows after that. I got them at like 100-1. to one. I loved what they, what, they, what they were doing at that point. I mean, they were shooting at such a high percent at such a high clip, but they're not anywhere near where they're at, uh, where they were at last year. I mean, Kempom makes this line six. I'll probably take Wisconsin at this line is six. I think just based off of the spot for Wisconsin and Iowa's three-point defense, uh, they're giving up the, the highest three-point uh, scoring rate in Big Ten play. So if Wisconsin can just hit, you know, 35, 32% of their threes and their defense comes to play like it did against Purdue. It's a tough ask. Like, it's not like that's guaranteed just the way they've shot of late. And Demet Demetri Trice, he's in, he's been super inconsistent. Nate Reavers is probably one of the most disappointing players overall in terms of guys that could have taken that jump. But if you're getting two possessions, that's probably my stronger play of the three Big Ten games that we've talked about. You know, there's another game that's interesting outside the Big Ten that is, uh, well, to me, I, I think is interesting or a team that is anyway in Villanova. They've got Providence and Villanova is, is one of those that 
it, it's not that they're bad. They're certainly not a bad team at 16 and four, but you, you on paper, you feel like they could be even better. How, how do you feel about this game coming up tomorrow? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. Cause defensively, I mean, they're, they're top 10 in adjusted offensive efficiency, but they're just outside the top uh, 60 in adjusted defensive efficiency. And they just lost their starting point guard in Colin Gillespie. And he means a lot to that team, not only on offense, but on defense and against a Providence team that's going to be playing desperate. Now they got to, they got to win the Big East tournament to get in. But we talked about it, Joe, yesterday with, with Nova losing their starting point guard. I don't yep. know how long Greg McDermott is going to be out for, but he's at least out for the Butler game. You would think he's going to be back for the Big East tournament, but let's say he isn't. And the wait, why, why do you think that? Because when I heard suspended, I assumed rest of the season. This That's is going to blow over too. that quickly. Yeah. It, you know, just from the, it's, it seemed like if they were going to suspend it, they would have done it before the Villanova game. Maybe the university thought, I, I hate to say this, but like, you know, it was a big game for Creighton. So maybe they're just doing it for one game. Listen, if, if he's out for the Big East tournament, then it really is a wide open conference tournament. And Providence, UConn is probably the team that a lot of people are going to jump on. I know Providence didn't play well. They were up double digits against St. John's uh, in the first half. Didn't close. St. John's outscored them by double digits in the second half. And, and St. John's ended up winning that game by 14 points. That's a hell of a turnaround. It's like a 25-point swing in the second half for uh, for St. John's. But either way, against Villanova, one of those spots where you're coming off of a of a down performance in the second half where I think Providence comes to play. Villanova's offense really struggled down the stretch against Creighton. This will be one of my plays tomorrow is Providence. There's no real matchup advantage unless Providence is shooting at a high clip from three, which they can. They're just kind of inconsistent uh, about average in Big East play in terms of three-point field goal clip. But if David Duke, David Duke is kind of the key to this offense because you know what Nate Watson is going to bring down low. I think he matches up really well against James Robinson Earl. But if Providence is hitting their threes, they can win this game outright. And we're probably going to get, let's say, with a Gillespie injury, maybe about a possession, three, three and a half. The line probably closes around maybe three, two and a half because of the injury and because of how Villanova played down the stretch in the Creighton game without him. So I'll be on the Friars tomorrow. With Eli Herskovich, this is BetQL Daily. Uh, Eli co-hosts BetQLU. You can find that podcast twice a week, and it's live a couple hours before the games. Or is it one, it's one hour before the games get going on Saturday, correct? Yeah, Tom wants to start earlier tomorrow. Oh, I don't know okay. if we're going to do it. I don't want to get up super okay. early. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, Eli, Notre Dame. That, may- <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I heard your spiel earlier about the White Sox stuff. So, Oh, yeah, stage. that was bad. That was one of my low points. <laughs> Uh, let's hit on the Irish. Notre Dame Nation, not happy, man. They're chanting fire brave. The guy. Oh. Yeah, they're booing him. There are there are columns all over the place that are saying that Notre Dame fans are being ridiculous. Some saying it's absolutely warranted. We've got former players of his now in the NBA going out on social media telling people to stop what is wrong with them. Uh so this is this is a big one against number eleven Florida State. Uh, what do you think? I kind of like Notre Dame in this spot. If you're looking at the projected line, the Irish are probably going to get two possessions. It's kind of the same, the same storyline that we've been talking about for the last three games or so. Florida State's perimeter defense is susceptible. That's how Notre Dame scores is with their three-point shooting. Florida State in the bottom half of the ACC in opponents' three-point scoring rate. So if Notre Dame's on, and you would expect some so, sort of bounce-back performance, right? I mean, these guys are going to come to play for Bray. I know it's kind of a situational angle more than anything, but I would expect it at least after what happened against NC State. They closed it around as around two-point favorites. They lose that game outright, lose the game 
by double digits against an OKNC State uh, team, but that's a Notre Dame team that's playing, been playing pretty well of late. Florida State, I, I've just been expecting this three-point shooting to regress at some point. It's still over 41% in conference play. Now, Notre Dame's defense is susceptible to the three, just like Florida State's is, but if you're getting two possessions, let's see where this line closes at. If let's say it's tomorrow morning or later tonight, maybe we get around six and a half, seven, kind of similar to what Florida State was against Pitt a couple weeks back. The Irish will probably be a play. It's a pretty good situational angle, and they do have some offensive advantages with that three-point shooting. I mean, you go back to the NC State game earlier in the week, their defense did cost them, but Notre Dame shot at 34% for the field. I mean, that's that's or 34% from three. That's what they do. That's how they score. It's a, it's a good spot for Notre Dame to bounce back and at least keep the game kind of tight. All right, uh, one of those college basketball games that everybody looks forward to, or at least the two times they they play per season, is Duke and North Carolina. And Duke's had their they've had all kinds of stuff happen this year. Jalen Johnson saying, "I'm I'm done playing for the rest of the year. I'm going to go play in the league, and I'm going to get ready for that." Duke uh, played well for a little bit after that. They've lost their last couple. They've got Carolina. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, this North Carolina team just starting off with the Tar Heels is just it's. One of the weirdest stretches, probably in terms of because of the, what they were supposed to be and and what they could have turned into. I mean, you go from winning back-to-back games. They smashed Louisville a few Saturdays ago, a couple Saturdays ago. And then they schedule a game against Marquette because they wanted something in between the Louisville and Florida State game. And they get they lose that game by double digits as closing it around as around eight or nine point favorites. And then they lose to Syracuse after upsetting Florida State at home last weekend, winning the game after being down by around double digits in the first half. I think this is a good bounce back spot for UNC. Duke is sputtering, even though they were playing good basketball, have won four in a row in the midst of the Jalen Johnson thing. UNC size, though, we saw it the first time these two teams played about three weeks to a month ago. UNC could dominate this game in the paint, highest two-point scoring rate in ACC play with that front court. Duke giving up the fourth highest two-point scoring rate in conference play. I mean, with Baycott, with Garrison Brooks, Kessler had a huge game against Florida State, didn't show up against Syracuse earlier in the week, but I, I like this uh, this spot for UNC to bounce back. Probably not a play because the line's probably going to close around a possession, around three, but this this should be a UNC win. Looking forward to this Big 12 matchup. Your West Virginia Mountaineers going up against Oklahoma State. You know, Cunningham rolled his ankle uh, last night for Oki State. Is he going to be all right? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, the, the coach was talking about it. Mike Boynton touched on it after the game. It sounds like he's going to be able to play. We just don't know how he's going to be off that ankle. This is a, a big game. I would say this is a bigger game for West Virginia just in terms of, of seeding because Oklahoma State's going to probably end up on that four line the way they play down the stretch unless they are one and done in the Big 12 tournament, which could happen. But uh, just in terms of West Virginia trying to get back on that two line, I would say this means a little bit more to them. From a rebounding standpoint, West Virginia has an advantage in this game. Uh, they have a size advantage overall, uh, and I think Culver's able to dominate the paint. You no, know, Caleb Boone versus Culver is probably the biggest matchup to watch for in this game. There is good, there is the revenge angle where Oklahoma State blew that, I think it was 19, 20-point lead against West Virginia at the way beginning of Big 12 play. Oklahoma State can score down low against West Virginia. That's where the Mountaineers' defense is most susceptible, along with that perimeter defense. But I, I guess it just depends on similar to what we talked about, right? We have no idea where it's going to open necessarily and where it's going to close. West Virginia is projected to be a five-point favorite. That's probably a little too much around two possessions, but it's also tough to back. Just going back to your original point, Joe, if 
uh, a Cade's ankle status. So it, it's probably a stay away for me just off that. If we know he's going to be okay, uh, then I would probably take Oklahoma State if the injury didn't happen and, and the the, uh, the Cowboys were getting two possessions, four or five points. Yeah, I, I know we've only got a, a little bit left here with you, but uh, Texas Tech and Baylor, obviously Baylor's just, uh, I mean, they're, they're a beast. They're, they're probably the best team in the country if it's not Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga, I mean, what do, what do you think of this one? Yeah, Texas Tech is playing really good ball. And if you go back to that first matchup, it was tied in the second half. Texas Tech, with that defense, with that ball pressure, was able to come back. Baylor looks a little bit susceptible defensively. I mean, you go up against a superstar like Kate Cunningham, what he did in the second half yesterday, at least to get Oklahoma State to cover. And then Baylor against West Virginia. Now, these, those are two teams that are trending in the right direction for March. Texas Tech, while they've been playing better of late, winners are two in a row. They've still been kind of inconsistent. But if you look at where Texas Tech can expose this Baylor team, if Baylor isn't running all over Texas Tech, then Texas Tech should be able to score in the half court, get to the rim, similar to what Oklahoma State did yesterday, especially in the beginning part of that first half. Baylor is in the bottom 100 in opponents' two-point scoring rate. So if McClung and Santos Silva can get to the rim and be efficient inside, it, I mean, that's the biggest question with Texas Tech is how efficient are they offensively? But Kempom makes this line around nine. So if you're getting Texas Tech, similar to uh, what Oklahoma State was yesterday, that's probably a play on Tech on Sunday. Thank you, Eli. Uh, quickly, in a word or two, are there any uh, tournaments that you would bet on already in progress? No, I'm staying away okay. from everything up. We'll talk about it early next week for the rest of the conference tournaments. Awesome. Eli Herskovich there. Check him out this weekend. BetQLU, Joe Ostrowski, Chris Ranji here on BetQL Daily, and we'll uh, keep the conversation going with Dallin Cuff of ESPN.